Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's College Football with Sam, and today I want to discuss and unpack my Pac-12 predictions for the 2023 college football season. I made my 2023 Big Ten predictions video 11 days ago, so I encourage you to check in the description for the link to that video down below. Click it, watch it all the way through, and comment on that video. It took several hours, weeks, months worth of research for that video. And same for this one, so I'd appreciate it if you guys check it out and also subscribe to the channel and watch this video all the way through so you can figure out my predictions for the Pac-12 conference. Colorado and Arizona are rumored to be moving to the Big 12. Washington and Oregon seem to be checking out the Big 10. So the future of the conference is uncertain, but I'm 99.9% certain unless the world ends, that the Pac-12 will be a functioning college football conference for the 2023 season. What I love about the Pac-12 is it is underrated, and it has elite quarterback play. I think overall it will have the best quarterback play in the nation. You have Caleb Williams, you have Bo Nix, you have Michael Penix, you have Cameron Rising, you have DJ Uyunglele, who I know a lot of people don't like, but I have a sneaking feeling, maybe, that Jonathan Smith could help him improve as a quarterback. UCLA will be breaking in Dante Moore, probably, or Colin Schley. Washington State has Cameron Ward. Arizona has Jaden Delora. Colorado has Shadur Sanders. And Jaden Rashada, after Florida ditched him in his NIL deal, went to Arizona State. So there's a lot of elite quarterback play and a lot of great players all around the depth chart that we'll be talking about today. We're going to be starting from the bottom at number 12, moving all the way up to number one, just like we do in all of our videos. We save the best for last and get the worst and get the hardest stuff out of the way. So stay tuned for the entire video. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And without further ado, let's begin and talk about Arizona State. Arizona State is breaking in Kenny Dillingham as their first-year head coach. Obviously, they got Jaden Rashada from the 2023 recruiting class after he got a release granted for his letter of intent to Florida because of that whole NIL debacle. Arizona State, consequentially, now has a better quarterback room than Florida because Florida has Graham Mertz and Jack Miller III, basically a collection of quarterbacks with high school ceiling level talent playing in the SEC. Florida's not going to have a winning record. Arizona State, on the other hand, with Jaden Rashada, I think, and Drew Pine, too, it's an underrated quarterback room. They have good players at tight end. In the transfer portal, they have done wonders. They've rebuilt their roster, much like Colorado. They have 30 incoming players via the transfer portal. Colorado has 50. But because Deion Sanders is a media magnet and he has gotten some high, highly rated talent coming in, no one's really paying attention to Arizona State's transfer portal additions. They lost Jaden Daniels after the 2021 season to LSU, and ever since the whole investigations into Herm Edwards and their recruiting conduct during the COVID season, Arizona State just hasn't been the same. Emory Jones transferred away to Cincinnati. But I think that Kenny Dillingham, the youth, the fact that the boosters are behind him, I think that this team and this program is set to be on a good direction. 
The problem, of course, is Arizona State's been gutted. Much like Colorado, it's going to be hard to create chemistry in year one with all these transfers. It's going to be hard to immediately win. And I really only see Southern Utah as the only guaranteed win on the schedule. And I think every other team that Arizona State faces will have more talent, more chemistry. And as a result, Arizona State will go 1-11, 0-9 in the Pac-12. But it's the first year, and Arizona State is at a massive disadvantage compared to programs like USC, Oregon, Washington, for example, the bigger schools. So give Kenny Dillingham some time, especially Jaden Rashada, and recruiting, and I think Arizona State could become something. Kenny Dillingham is a wonderful offensive mind. Speaking of an offensive mind, we have Troy, Taylor, and Stanford coming in at 11th. Another team that I think is going to go winless in conference, once again, just because the fact that they've been destroyed. Although for Arizona State, it was more so the player exodus. For Stanford, it's the fact that David Shaw ran them into the ground. Absolutely ran them into the ground. I think 2-10, 0-9 is going to be the record for this team at the conclusion of the regular season. I think they'll beat Hawaii, who is just awful. Sacramento State is where Troy Taylor came from as a head coach. They're great at tight end. I think Benjamin Eurosek is the name of the tight end there. Very great player. Um, special teams, I think, will be good as well. Tanner McKee, the quarterback for Stanford for the past two seasons, he is off to the NFL. And I think overall they're just going to have problems rebuilding. It's going to be very hard at a school like Stanford with their academic restrictions to do much of anything. They're going to have to recruit. It's going to be very challenging for them to use the transfer portal. They have the 12th transfer portal class in the Pac-12, and they only have four commits with an average ranking of 85.3. So I think it's going to be rough. Troy Taylor is obviously older than Kenny Dillingham, and his approach to the transfer portal is the opposite of Deion Sanders. So we'll see how this works. I don't exactly have as much optimism about Stanford because I think the transfer portal in NIL era is really going to hurt schools that have big academic restrictions. In 10th place, we have the Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado and Deion Sanders, this has been the most fascinating story, or one of the most, of the 2023 preseason. If you're huge into recruiting, this has no about no doubt been the biggest story. Three and nine, two and seven might seem very conservative. Some might say I'm hating on Deion Sanders, but this is just not true. I like the hire. I think Colorado needs a magnetic personality with charisma and with genius too. I don't think Deion Sanders is just an idiot with a good voice. I think he's a good head coach. What he did at Jackson State by recruiting, using the portal, having good coaches. I mean, look, you just got to look at the results, and he hasn't coached in the Power Five yet, and there will be a transition, but he has 50, 50 incoming transfers. That's insane. And that's on top of a recruiting class that was near, that was like top 50, and got Cormani McLean, who's a five-star corner. So Colorado's going to be extremely talented, especially at defensive back with Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter. You also got to factor Travis Hunter into the wide receiver core. He looked exceptional as a receiver in the spring game. 
Shadur Sanders is going to be a good quarterback. I think there will be a transition year for him too, entering the Power Five. Not that he'll have a huge drop-off or look terrible. He's a good quarterback. He has his father's athleticism and looked dominant in the FCS. But I do think with a lack of supporting cast, especially with a small offensive line and trench play that'll be poor overall, I don't see how Colorado, with one of the tougher schedules in the country, is going to do much of anything. All Deion Sanders has to do, in my opinion, to have a successful year is get two, three, four, five wins, just improve and look better compared to Carl Durrell's dumpster fire that was 2022 and 2021. And then in 2024, when the recruits and the transfers have built chemistry, the staff's been there, and there's just continuity with throughout the program, then maybe we can expect something. I think Colorado opening up at TCU and hosting Nebraska, very tough non-conference slate. And then they have road games at Oregon, UCLA, Utah, Washington State, and they host USC and Oregon State, who outclass them everywhere. They will beat rival Colorado State and pick up two wins in the Pac-12, though, to go 3-9, and 2-7 and seven in conference. And the ninth best team in the Pac-12 is California and Justin Wilcox, who has seemingly been there forever and hasn't brought California much success at all. They do, in my opinion, have a deep running back room. They got four running backs in the transfer portal. And they also got Sam Jackson from TCU. Now, I don't know how good Sam Jackson's going to be. I know that they lost Jack Plummer, who transferred to California last year and is now reuniting with his former head coach, Jeff Brom, at Louisville. I expect that a Justin Wilcox team is going to be better defensively than it will be offensively, which goes along with his resume as a great defensive coordinator. Running back, wide receiver, they're bringing in Taj Taj Davis from the portal from Washington, and they got a, a nice group of defensive backs as well. I look at this team and their underrated usage of the portal and the fact that Justin Wilcox is respected amongst the Power Five. California is the sixth best transfer portal class, They're bringing in 19 players, and they have an average player ranking of 87.65, and they have three four-stars, most of whom are on defense. One is Sam Jackson, the quarterback coming in from TCU. I, it's not that I don't like this team, but I'm kind of mediocre on them. And the Pac-12 is just so deep, and California also has the issue of playing a good Power 5 non-conference opponent in Auburn. They have a game at Washington, at Utah, at Oregon. Those are all going to be very hard road games to win. USC, Oregon State are going to be good as well. And I look at California, and I just, I don't know. I think that Justin Wilcox isn't going to be successful with the Golden Bears. Maybe I'm wrong. Defensively, they will be sound. Offensively, they will have some good parts, especially in the run game. But overall, I don't expect them to go bowling this year. 4-8, 2-7 in conference with wins at rival Stanford and home versus Arizona State. That Auburn game early in the year, though, it will be a road game in a different time zone for Auburn. We'll know what California is made of and whether I'm right or wrong when they play the Auburn Tigers. At 8th, we have Washington State. 
Jake Dicker and what he has done at Washington State after Nick Rolovich was fired. Bringing in Cameron Ward, I think that he made a great move in doing that. And Washington State this year will have Cameron Ward at quarterback, Nakia Watson, former player from Wisconsin, at running back, and they will just be sound. That would be one word to describe Washington State, sound. Or if you wanted to use other adjectives that are similar, solid, tough, above average, average, and not average or above average in a negative connotation, but a positive one. I think that they will go bowling. I think 6-6, six and 4-5 six, and five is good. It's hard to win at Washington State. It was very hard for Mike Leach to win at Washington State. It took him years to get Washington State to a level where they could consistently go bowling. They will be great on special teams, and they will be solid at quarterback and running back, and their staff is good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Much like California, they have in the second game of their schedule a matchup with a good non-conference Power 5 opponent who will test them early, and we'll see what Washington State's made of. It's also at home. Wisconsin lost to Washington State in Camp Randall last year with Nakia Watson, the former Badger, being a huge part of that. And Luke Fickle and what he's done with bringing in Phil Longo, there is a way. In fact, there are probably many ways for Washington State to win this game, and if they do, that'll give them momentum to face off against Oregon State, UCLA, and some of these tougher opponents. I think a very winnable game for Washington State that I have them losing is Arizona, where they will be facing off against their former Washington State Cougar, Jaden Delora, who's now a quarterback at Arizona. I'm very excited to see how Washington State does. This is certainly a team who could do better than I think they will. I think 6-6 six and six is probably their floor. So 4-5 and five in the Pac-12, and Washington State will go bowling once again. At 7th, we have the Arizona Wildcats, coached by Jed Fish. And what Jed Fish has done for this team on offense is phenomenal. They have Jacob Cohen, who was one of the best players in the group of five at UTEP before transferring to Arizona in the 2022 preseason. They have Jaden Delora at quarterback. They also have had a pretty solid stretch when it comes to recruiting. Their problem is on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Arizona is set. This year in the transfer portal, they only have eight incoming transfers. A few of them, just to name, are Taylor Upshaw, coming from Colorado, but he played at Michigan in 2022. Montana Lamonius Craig, a wide receiver who's ranked as a four-star from Colorado. He's coming in. And then there are some other players as well. Um, Daniel Himuli, a linebacker from Washington. There are some players on defense. Christian Roland Wallace is leaving for USC along with Dorian Singer. So they did lose some very good players. You also got to remember that Justin Flo, a former five stars, coming in at linebacker. Now he had injuries and he hasn't exactly lived up to his potential. And outside of him, I don't think Arizona has a good linebacker on their team. But they're bringing in some underrated pieces through the portal. They have recruited well. Their wide receiver room will certainly be top 25 in the nation, if not top 20, and they do have top 10 potential if everything works out. They have a road game at Mississippi State early in the year, 
And they also have road games at USC, Colorado, Arizona State, Washington State. Their road game slate is actually very easy outside of USC and Mississippi State. They host Washington, Arizona State, UCLA, and Utah. But if you're going to have all your tough games, have them at home. You get home field advantage, and you get to defend your turf. And home field advantage is anywhere from three points to seven points, depending on whether you ask God's makers or you factor in teams like Penn State or LSU that have massive home field advantages. Arizona could certainly pop off, and they could go seven and five, eight and four. They also, given their defense and just still their lack of overall talent and depth, could go worse than this. Arizona could be a chaos team for the 2023 season. So pay attention to Jed Fish and the Wildcats. I think they'll go 6-6, six 4-5 and six, four and five in the Pac-12. Now we're getting to the interesting teams. And by the interesting teams, I mean the teams that are more likely to crack the top 25 than be outside of it. We have UCLA and Chip Dip Kelly. 8-4, 6-3 in the Pac-12. I think they're going to get upset by San Diego State on the road, just given that this team is new, losing Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet, and unfortunately their defensive coordinator. He was replaced in a battle of cancer, and I, I forget his name, but rest in peace to him. I think his name was Bill McGovern, and he sadly passed away, so they don't exactly have staff continuity to the biggest degree. And Chip Kelly, while he has rebuilt his reputation, and I'm rooting for him, UCLA still has questions in the realm of recruiting. When it comes to the transfer portal, though, they don't have any questions. UCLA is the fourth best transfer portal class in the Pac-12. They're bringing in guys from everywhere. Kyle Ford, a wide receiver from USC, who's a four-star. They're bringing in Jordan Anderson, a four-star safety from Bowling Green. They're bringing in Colin Schley, a four-star QB from Kent State. Also a four-star running back in Carson Steele from Ball State. And most importantly, they're bringing in Dante Moore, a high school recruit out of Michigan. And all in all, I really like this team. Also, Anthony Adkins from Army, a running back who's nearly a four-star. So Zach Charbonnet should be replaced. Between Colin Schley and Dante Moore and also Ethan Garbers, I do expect this team to have a very impressive quarterback room quarterback and the offensive line will be strengths along with basically everywhere on the offensive side of the ball the issue is their defensive staff I think poorly mismanages the talent on their defense and they'll be solid at linebacker but d-line and defensive back will have to pay attention to those and I think that will cost the Bruins in games against Utah USC and Oregon State it could also cost them against Arizona who has a very good offense that would match up well with UCLA's questionable defense I think Chip Kelly will go eight and four six and three in the Pac-12 he went nine and three last year in the Pac-12 with a six and three record I do believe so continued success for the UCLA Bruins at fifth we have the Oregon Ducks Dan Lanning it'll help him to not have Georgia on his schedule won't it? Because last year, Oregon went 9-3, and 7-2 in conference. That Georgia game really screwed the stats, the efficiency metrics, because when you lose 49-3, to 
I mean, that, that leaves a mark on the program statistically for the whole year, and that would leave a mark on your team's mindset for the whole year. It probably still leaves a, a mark on the whole team and Dan Lanning as a motivator, like, hey, we're not going to let this happen to us again. Oregon has the potential to have the best in several categories, offensive line especially, and quarterback with Bo Nix, who last year was a top 10 QB, he returns. You have Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington at running back, at wide receiver, Troy Franklin, who might be the fastest wide receiver in college football, he's coming back too. And a staff that includes the likes of Tosh Lupoy, who's coached at Alabama before, Dan Lanning, defensive mind from Georgia who helped them win a national title, and field the most NFL defense in college football history with the dogs that season. They're very solid at linebacker, tight end. They're bringing in Jordan Birch from South Carolina to anchor that defensive line. They're secondary, and their defense in general is the concern, but they're bringing in so many transfers. They had so much expected turnover, period, amen, that they have the number three transfer portal class in the Pac-12 with seven, you heard me right, seven four-stars. So, we will see how Oregon does on defense. We know that on offense, they will perform at the highest level. Road games at Washington and Utah are going to be very tough to overcome. Utah is going to be out for vengeance, and Washington returns more, and I think overall will be the better team. But a home game at UCLA will be very entertaining. A road game at Texas Tech will be an early test for the Oregon Ducks. Texas Tech is a popular dark horse candidate to win the Big 12. Oregon, of course, is, I think, the second place team projected by odds makers in the Pac-12. So that's going to be a very entertaining matchup for the Red Raiders and the Ducks. Special teams will be the biggest weakness for the Ducks. All in all, this team is good depth. They're recruiting well. And Dan Lanning is a top 25 coach currently, and he'll quickly rise through those rankings. At fourth, we have Oregon's rival, Oregon State. Oregon State surprised everyone and went 10-3 and last year. And now, as you see on your screen, I have them starting off 10-0. and This team's schedule is easy enough to where they could build momentum and reach the college football playoff purely on momentum. They're good enough to beat Washington and Oregon and win the Pac-12. People are sleeping on this team. And the reason they're doing it is because of DJ Uyunglele, who people like to make fun of, and he did not play good in 2021, and he had a nosedive in performance at the end of 2022. But there were games in 2022 where he looked very efficient. We saw that he looked just as good as Trevor Lawrence in the 2020 season, the COVID year. And I think Jonathan Smith, with that power run game, He's an offensive genius. Washington fans know this because what he did with Chris Peterson at Washington, he was a big part of the reason Browning had success. Same with Miles Gaskin. And all of that brought Washington to the playoff in 2016. So I think that Oregon State, with Damian Martinez, as well as DJ Uyunglele, solid tight end play, and an offensive line that has been consistently up for the Joe Moore Award at different points in the season, will have success. And defensively, they lose most of their production there, 
But there are some areas and there are some places where it is appropriate to look at defensive production or any kind of production. And sometimes you got to be bold. And Oregon State has had a reputation, especially with their rising star at defensive coordinator, with to have a good defense. They had one of the Pac-12's best defenses last season, and before then their defenses were terrible. So I think they have the right coordinator there, and overall this team is solid. They're much like Wisconsin, what Wisconsin used to be in the Big Ten West. Power run game, solid defense. That's the main reason why I don't have them reaching the playoff, is schematically, they're great, and I trust them. In fact, schematically, they're much better than Paul Christ's Wisconsin. But like Paul Christ's Wisconsin, they don't have the talent that Oregon or USC or even Utah and Washington do. And I think that that's going to cause them major problems. They'll upset Utah early, beat UCLA, win, win road games at Washington State, Arizona, and Colorado. But I think they will fall to Washington yet again. They played Washington very closely last year. And Oregon on the road is going to be tough because Dan Lanning and the Ducks will be out for blood after choking last year's Civil War matchup. In third place, we have the Utah Utes. And you've already seen, now with Utah, three 7-2 teams in a row. So how do you order the teams, Sam? Well, I order the teams because there's a tie-breaking sector in the Pac-12 that you can look up. And you add all the conference opponents' records that these teams face, and the those the collection of records in those nine games for those teams. The team with the best strength of record, which means in their nine game in their nine game schedule in conference, when you add all those nine games up, the schedule with the most wins would. That's how you order it. And Oregon was last. I think Utah and Oregon State, I don't think they were tied. I think Utah was just a sliver ahead. And then you'll see who's in second place, who's also at 7-2, but that's because they beat a common opponent. So first and foremost, for tiebreakers in the Pac-12, it's complex to explain. But first, it's common opponents for all the teams who are tied. And then from there, you add up the records of all nine conference opponents that they face, and whoever has the best win percentage after you add up the wins and losses, you go by that in order. So Utah had the best win percentage compared to Oregon State and Oregon from my own predictions, because that's from my own projections. So that means I think Utah, out of those three teams, will have the toughest conference schedule. And they also have the toughest non-conference schedule, because they play Florida in a road game at Baylor, two Power 5 opponents. It'll be no problem for Utah, though, as in my opinion and in my potential power index's opinion, I think that Utah is the deepest team and most well-rounded team in the Pac-12. I do think Washington is better. That gives away who I think the number one team in the Pac-12 is, is Washington. I think they're better. My power index thinks that Utah is number one. But I think with road games at Oregon State and Washington, that's going to be tough, especially with a road game at Baylor out of conference and a road game at USC and a home game against Oregon, UCLA, and Florida. I think they'll beat USC and Oregon because Utah will have much better defenses than those teams and their power run game with Jaquindon Jackson and Micah Bernard will just work wonders. Cameron Rising's also an incredible quarterback. 
And I think Kyle Whittingham's a top three head coach, and his staff is probably top five in the nation. You also can't forget about Brant Cuthy at tight end. And their defense is always under Morgan Scaley. It is very, it's tough. It's tough. They know how to get pressure. They know how to bend and don't break. And I think that this team has a shot to win the Pac-12 for the third year in a row. So 10-2, and 7-2 and two for Kyle Whittingham in the Utes. At second, we have USC. Now, I don't think USC is as good as Oregon, Oregon State, even Utah overall. But they do get some benefits. And I think that in beating Washington, they will get to the Pac-12 championship game. Because all the other teams they're tied with also play Washington. And if you all have a common opponent and one team beats that common opponent, well you win. That's that's actually how the Pac-12 tie-breaking system works, and I think USC and Washington are similarly built, and they match up with each other better than USC would match up with, let's say, Oregon or Utah from schematics and also the fact that USA, USC plays Oregon on the road, and I think many of these things combined will go in Lincoln Riley's favor. Plus, Lincoln Riley is a Heisman quarterback in Caleb Williams, you have Mario Williams and now Dorian Singer at wide receiver. Tight end special teams and Alex Grinch are these teams' kryptonite, but you also can't forget Austin Jones and Relique Brown at running back. Don't forget Mason Cobb or Eric Gentry either at linebacker and Jack Sullivan for defensive end on the D-line. This team has a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Talent isn't what holds this team back on defense. It's coaching. Alex Grinch is a poverty defensive coordinator. Poverty defensive coordinator. There is no argument against that. But they have a Heisman-winning quarterback in Caleb Williams, and they could have one of the best wide receiver cores and running back rooms in the nation. This offense will no doubt be top five in scoring. I think in overall efficiency, and when they face elite defenses, though, they will struggle which will hurt them against a team like Utah, who's solid all around and can run the football well, a road game against Oregon, especially after an emotional win against Washington, that will be tough. But this team could reach the college football playoff. I don't think they will with a 10-2, and 7-2 record in the regular season, but they will be top two in the Pac-12, which means they're going to have a spot in the Pac-12 championship game and a shot to win the conference. And finally, at number one, we have the Washington Huskies. The Washington Huskies, I think, will go 11-1, 8-1 in conference. I think that their only loss will be on the road at USC, and when you have a road game against Oregon State, Washington State, Michigan State out of conference, that is tough to do. And I think what will help them is reinforcements on the defensive side with Jabbar Muhammad coming in at cornerback, you also return most of your defensive production. Washington is number 22. They're top 25 in returning production overall, folks. And I think that returning a top five quarterback in Michael Penix, who was second in the nation in passing yards last year, you got Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, Giles Jackson. That's a four-headed monster at wide receiver. Very solid tight end group, an offensive line that is among the nation's best. 
and a running back room that brings in Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State. They have some depth there as well, bringing in a guy from Arizona State. And even though, I forget his name, I think Wayne Talapapa left, he ran out of eligibility, leaves. The run game should not suffer. Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer are some of the best offensive minds in college football, and when you pair them together along with the team they have, the depth, development, them and Ohio State, I think, are on a different level when it comes to offense. I think Ohio State, with just their superior talent and better running back room, outclasses Washington, but Washington schematically, and even from a player's standpoint, could have the deadliest passing attack in the nation. They could be USC too. They could go 12-0 and in the regular season, but I just don't think they have the talent to pull that off. It's going to be tough playing against Michigan State and even Boise State out of conference. That'll be an early test for the Huskies to open up the year hosting Boise State. Luckily, the Huskies get Oregon and Utah at home. I think the home field advantage, Husky Stadium, when it's full, is one of the loudest venues in college football will certainly help Kalen DeBoer's case. So Washington and USC will face off in the Pac-12 championship game. I would favor Washington just because it would be hard to beat a good team twice. And I don't think that USC or even Lincoln Riley have what Kyle Whittingham had, where he beat Oregon twice and USC twice in the same season. You need to have a fundamental team that has both a at least good defense and good offense, and I think USC's too one-sided and too soft at the lines of scrimmage and defensively to achieve that feat. So I think Washington will not only win the regular season, but also the championship game and punch their ticket to the college football playoff, where I have Washington as either the third or fourth seed. Thank you guys for watching this video where I predicted the Pac-12 standings for the 2023 season. If you like this video, please make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts down below, and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I make more Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC, and college football content in general. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.